Welcome to the Think It, Make It podcast. We're all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips and tricks, new products, interviews with the pros, and much, much more. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. Let's get on with the show! Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Think and Make It podcast. This is episode number 20. My name is Eric. I'm here with Greg and Bobby again this week. How we doing? Hello, everybody. So I uh, appreciate all the feedback we've been getting and uh, definitely appreciate the uh, the numbers that we're seeing and people are downloading it. So it's really motivating us to keep this thing going. And we got a lot of cool ideas. And like I said, we're, we're uh, looking, we look forward to sitting down here every week and recording this for you. Um, this week, I think we all kind of were a little bit busy and we had a lot going on and I don't know that we have too much updates yet on our think it, make it challenge. Um, we were all hoping, <clears throat> I think to have everything what designed and ready to go this week. I know I've been kind of plugging away at it, but, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I have no excuse other than we've been busy and haven't really had a lot of extra time to. It's been a good week. It. It's been a busy week. I I have pretty much my design down. Um, had a lot of that last week too. Was hoping to have some prototypes cut up, but have not had a chance to do that. But I would say I am designed. Um, I have a lithophane ready. I would like to test that. Um, how about you, Bobby? I've got a board design so far. <laughs> um, still working on the the catchy second board, if you will. Um, but. The main portion of it is done, at least doing the boards themselves. That was still pretty quick and easy for the most part. Um, now I just got to figure out the eye-catching. What'd you end up going with? Uh, right now I have the Connecticut State outline on one of them. Um, so able to import that through Vectric and uh, take off the shading layer when you import those bitmaps. And that's kind of where we're at. Not Honestly, not that much further along. It's just been a hectic week. Yeah, I'm. I have mine all figured out in my head, but I have been trying to sit down in Vetric to design a vacuum fixture and all that, and just haven't gotten to it. So hopefully this weekend. Okay, so next week prototypes, prototypes all around. Agreed. Yeah, that would be um, in a perfect world. <laughs> it, it would. It would be. I. I would say that might be a little aggressive for me. I'd like to have everything um, drawn up in Vetric. Okay. I'd like to have at least that much done. And uh, depending on, you know, the availability of a machine to be able to cut some stuff, that would be the, the big question mark. I think this is a really good example of, you know, ideas that you, you, the best laid plans of, of men and mice. You know, we, we have all these ideas, we, we want to do it, and it kind of slows down when, when life gets in the way. And this is a perfect business example. Of- well, I mean, one, one thing, so I have this habit of uh, when somebody says, oh, can you do this or whatever. I'm the first one to raise my hand. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that because in my head at the time, it always seems a lot easier and quicker than it actually is. And so one of the things that I've been working on, I'm, I'm on the board of our, our um, gun club and uh, every, every month we have a meeting and we go over things that they want to do. Now this, this club has been around for, I don't know, 60, 70 years. Uh, and it looks it when you walk in, there's not, you know, there there's, it's dated. So, one of the things that we were doing, they have this cabinet in the front that 
uh, they store that's locked that they store everything in, and uh, it looks like something right out of like 1950. And um, they use uh, latch padlocks on it. I mean, it looks horrible. And so we've been trying to uh, slowly update things at the club. And being that I'm the CNC guy, um, you know, when it comes time to do stuff, then they'll they'll ask me or or I'll volunteer. So this week, one thing that you know, we, we were trying to do, which actually served well. I have been wanting to make, um, some CNC, um, MDF door panels for a while. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, talking to a, a monotool uh, this week I, I talked and, to, uh, there's um, a couple of new bits that uh, they have for Vetric, doing MDF raised panel doors. I was so going we got a couple of them in to them. test and, I, and uh, I had an opportunity to run some MDF door uh, panels and I, I took a lot of video well, as I was I, doing it. Well, this and now I just have to do now. the something Vetric, happened, like how I programmed I, it. And then once we in install the, them this off. weekend, um, I'll, I'll add that to the video and yeah, and put a I don't video know. I just on YouTube sound, something uh, because it's, it's very like, simple. Um, okay, just standard MDF. Um, uh, it's a. It, I like the profile, the bit that I got. Uh, very easy to program. I mean, it literally took uh, ten minutes to program the doors and less than that to cut them out. Uh, so I ended up having to use some plywood to make a new face uh, for the whole cabinet, and then I made the doors to match that. So now I have to. The hardware just came in, so tomorrow we're going to put the hardware on, and I got a couple guys that are going to give me a hand. We're going to go install it. So um, we got rid of the uh, flap padlocks, and I found these uh, dial padlocks on uh, Amazon that you drill a three-quarter inch hole, and you pop them in. And they look, they sit flush, so it's going to look a lot nicer. So I've tried to get that banged out. Um, this week at night after I'm done, you know, here and, and then they had to be painted. And so it'll, it'll be nice when it's done. Uh, and then I think the next step is there, there's like four different cabinet styles in, in this clubhouse. And I, I think if this, when this is installed, if everybody likes the way it looks, we'll probably take the doors off the other cabinets and make new doors to match. So everything in the clubhouse matches, which will be pretty easy, but um, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I did the, um, use the Q408 to do them and there's, uh, three different tools I used and you know, everything was trammed perfectly. No sanding. They, they look great. Finishing MDF doors on the other hand is a real pain in the neck. Um, paint just sucks into it like crazy. And then anything that's been routed, uh, as soon as you, you touch it with paint, the grain pops. So then you have to paint it, let it dry, and then lightly sand it to get the grain pop down and then go ahead and paint it again. And then sometimes the grain pops back up, but after a couple coats and sanding, it goes away. So it's, it's, it, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of videos online where guys are like how to properly paint MDF doors. Um, there's a cabinet shop in the old building where we were at. I talked to him last week and he said he mixes joint compound in with his paint so that it thickens it. And then when he, he paints the edges, let it dry, and then you sand it down and it seals it up better and gives it a better finish. Um, for this particular project, I don't care about it that much. Like I'm not, it's not a, it's not my kitchen. It's, it's a clubhouse. 
So I wasn't, and I hate finishing. Like I hate sanding, painting. It's not my thing. That is one thing you'll hear us say quite often here is we, we, we are CNC guys, but we struggle with finishing. Yeah. We struggle I mean, with painting and, you know, you go over to the cabinet shop down the road and they've got a, a big room, the size of this conference room. That's a paint booth. That's, you know, humidity and temperature controlled and it's got a downdraft and, you know, all that. And, and the guys suit up and they go in and, and then when the stuff comes out, it looks just like it's perfect. You know, uh, we were, you know, on these doors, I was rolling the paint on. It was just, we were using, um, regular latex wall paint, uh, and, and a thin roller to put it on. I mean, they, they look good. It's it, but they not, it's not something I would put in my kitchen. It's perfect for a clubhouse, but, um, you know, if I took more time and had more time, and more patience then I could have done a few different things and gotten a better quality, but I still don't have a spray gun and the, the type of paint that they use, usually they're using a lacquer, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, it smells, it requires more, uh, preparation. It requires the cleaning afterwards is a lot greater. So I think like I need to do a set of door panels for the uh, laundry center that I built like a year ago, which is still unfinished. And my wife reminds me of that often. Um, so I love I've, that the laundry center. Yeah. It's just underneath the stairs. I, I showed you pictures of it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, no, that yeah. was, that was really cool. It's, yeah. I, I had a basically in our basement or on it's, we have a finished basement, but under the stairs, it was just a, there was a wall like, and, uh, and behind the wall was under the stairs and it was, there's a closet there and uh, I ripped all the wall out and basically built custom cabinets to fit in there, put the laundry, the washer and dryer in there and then built cabinets around them. So some of the cabinets have very, angles. very strange angles. Yeah. They're, 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 everything is angled. And then I have like these big, I have this big uh, cart that that's on wheels that pulls out and you use it for storage of like blankets and comforters and things like that. Um, but I never did the door fronts for anything to finish it. So I'm going to do that with MDF. I'm going to do MDF doors. But on that case, when I'm finished with that, I will machine the doors, make sure everything fits. And then I'm going to send them over to the cabinet shop and I'm going to have them paint them for me so that they come out, you know, professionally. Um, but I, yeah, anybody out there that, that has any tips on, um, getting a really good finish on MDF, uh, please drop us a comment, send us an email, let us know. I'm, I'd, I'd love to, uh, learn a little bit more about that. Um, but right now, like I said, I, on these cabinet doors, I just did. If you look at them, I'm like three, four feet away. They look great. We Uh, learned that real quick. The first time we did a cheat of MDF, we spray painted it. Thought it was good, looked great. Came back the next day. You couldn't even tell it was spray painted. All the paint just absorbed right into the, the MDF and, we were scratching our heads. You would think, you know, you just put some paint on it and let it go. But because it's it's uh, porous, porous yeah. it, it just takes all that material. And MDF is so easy to cut. I think we've mentioned that before here, um, but it leaves a mess. Oh, and it's a mess to cut, too. Um, I knew, I knew you did MDF because I walked in the demo room and there was a, just a dust layer of dust on everything. Yeah. The, uh, the doors on this uh, cabinet front, there's five doors. So it kind of worked out that... Um, there's a center door because there's five. So the center door, I made a, a V carved panel for the, that has the gun club name and, and like this bullet uh, target design that I came up with. And that proved to be challenging because uh, I painted the, so I, I did the door. 
uh, machined it and the the actual raised panel door. So when it came off the machine, it came off looking like the other four doors. And then I painted the surface of it with a few coats of the the, the regular door paint, let it dry overnight, and then I used uh, Oracal mask and put that down. Uh, and then my plan was to V-carve through the masking and then paint everything that was V-carved black. Well, the issue I ran in with is the uh, Oracal I have is only 12 inches wide. So it, the door was wider than that. So I had to overlap it. And you, it, you just, you can't really overlap Oracal successfully. Um, the thickness of it, where it overlaps, you'll, you'll get maybe an eighth of an inch of material that doesn't stick down because it's being pulled up because it's overlapping the previous sheet. And that was, oh, what a pain. I, uh, I, I, I went ahead and I rolled it. I used a rubber roller. I put a lot of pressure on it. I even applied a little heat to it to make it stick. And the bottom line is that um, this center door panel, I'm going to finish it and put it at the club this weekend. But eventually I will redo it because what ended up happening is wherever you V-carved that was near the overlap, um, depending on how fine the detail was of the V carving, it would peel up or chip out the, the Oracle. And yeah, it was unfortunate because there's a couple real detailed things that are real small and that just happened to be where the overlap was. So now I had to sit there with a paintbrush to try to get in there with the detail. And as I'm touching that up, a bristle might flop onto the top. Now I have black paint on the top surface. So now I fix that. And then a bristle flops on the black and I'm chasing it. So I, I, I got it to look decent from a distance, but I'm not happy with it. So I, I will, um, there's a, we share a building with a sign shop and he's got Oracle and wider sheets. So I think I'll cut another door panel, paint it, and then bring it over there and we'll lay a wide piece of masking on. Then I'll do the uh, the V carving. In our early days, we we did a lot of um, blue tape, painter's tape with that. Yeah, I tried that, that too. That doesn't work that great There's either. a few cool things you can kind of do with a drag knife. Um, I think you, we've released a video on that. Correct. Yeah. Where we you can you can trace out the cut the tape first um, and then cut it with the... So take the drag knife um, or any drag knife cut out the part that you were doing and then take the end mill and cut over that. And what that does is allows it not to chip out, not to grab the material and, and kind of flake. Yeah. That actually it worked I've, well for us for, for blue sided or um, blue tape painters. Tape. Yeah. I forgot about that, that we did that a while ago in a pinch. Yeah. You, you can definitely use um, the blue painters tape. And Oracle is really, really great. But if you just a few weeks ago, I did a, a, a carving, just a sign, and I used the Oracle on, I believe it was oak. And I had trouble sticking to the oak. I had the same thing. I was unaware of the, the grains of the oak and the, the different things you do. Um, and I came into your office and I'm like, Eric, I just, this is not sticking. What's going on? And it wasn't the Oracle. It was, it was the tape or it was the oak. Yeah. It was the oak. A certain material. You just can't. The, the grain of the oak just was not grabbing. It wasn't sticking down. Well, it's, it's wide and yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, usually. So with the, um, with the Oracle, you have to put a finish down. So if you're going to, you could probably get it to stick with oak or maple or anything like that. But I usually I would put a couple coats of spray shellac down first and then uh, lightly sand it, then do another coat, 
clean it off with a tack cloth. Now your shellac kind of filled in the grain and left you with a nice level, smooth surface for the ore calcium. And that's what I ended up doing, and that, yeah. that worked perfectly. When we did the blue tape, one of the things that worked, see, if you try to just use blue tape and V-carve it, it's going to chew it up. The, the end mill will pull it away. It'll, it'll act weird. You can't control the direction either that you're V-carving. The, the software, Vetrix, is going to just do it the way it, it's going to optimize it. So it's not like you can lay the tape down in any specific way. So what we did to prevent the chip out or the tear out was we used our, a drag knife, but we set the drag knife to cut like three or four thousandths outside of the um, the vector. So what would happen is the, the drag knife would go around and it would cut all the way through the blue tape a few thousandths away from the vector. That way when Vetric, you know, programmed to go in and you put a V-bit in there and now you start carving away the middle, it's, you're going to carve away, the V-bit is only going to carve up to the vector. And we cut the tape on the outside of the vector. So if you did get any chip out or grabbed hold of the tape and it pulled it, it would just pull it away and you'd still have a nice clean line from the, the drag knife. And it worked great. It was a it was a great way to to do it in a pinch. Um, I probably could have now that I didn't think of doing that, but I probably could have done that with this job with the overlap and probably ended up solving that. It's problem. an extra step. You have to go through all your your vectors with the drag knife, but it's probably worth it if you were having that much trouble. Yeah, well, I was doing this on the Q machine too, which is difficult because in order to put the drag knife on, it sits forward of the spindle. Uh, on a on an MRD machine, it would be easier because you could just pull the spindle out and put it right in. So you don't have to change your X, Y, zero, uh, but you'd have to change your Y position to switch back and forth. So I didn't, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't want to do that. Uh, honestly, the entire door with the V carving took like 10 minutes to cut. So, and it's maybe what, $4 in materials. So it's just, it's easy enough for me to throw a new uh, panel on there and, and redo it down the road. But uh, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, door panels and whatnot. But uh, I'll get some pictures up online when this thing is. Hopefully we install it this weekend and this episode will come out on Tuesday. So I'll try to try to throw some pictures up so that everybody can see what we're talking about. Awesome. So, yeah, because we're not doing the think and make it discussion this week, the challenge were um, we one of the subjects we thought we would talk about a little bit based on Bobby getting quite a few calls recently, a, a lot of calls actually from education um, facilities, so colleges and high schools and things like that. And the idea of using uh, CNC in education and what is the re- what are the reasons, what are the benefits that uh, that we're hearing, the benefits that we know of from doing this for so long, like why why is this a good idea and why, if you're an educator, should this be something you're looking at? So what uh, what do you think, Bobby? What what is what's what's been uh, a major topic. It's been a lot of universities, especially this week, uh, more so than usual. Um, It's funny because the tech schools and the high schools typically have more of a firm plan in place, if you will, as opposed to the universities. Um, I think a lot of the universities are just trying to venture into other avenues for their students. Uh, The program specifically, I'm not entirely sure if it's something they're about to create, but you know, there's a couple of different ways you can go into it with CNC, especially on a university level. You have your programming end, and then you actually have the operation end. 
Um, even a lot of the big scale companies that we work with, it's completely separate branches. You've got your guys who are doing the programming and then you have the guys that are actually doing the cutting. Um, so there's really two main platforms that those students can venture into. Um, you look at more of your tech-specific high school programs, it's typically always going to be woodworking. It's it's their high school, I guess they call it shop class. That's what we called it in school. Um, but a lot of universities this week, uh, having no idea what they want to do in particular, um, but knowing that they want to venture into it. Yeah, one, one of the things over the years that we've seen is uh, I remember well, – I'm a little older than you guys, but – Here we shop, go again. Well, I mean, it's true. I <laughs> – in shop class, I remember being in grade school and being in shop class, and you sat down at a drafting table, and you know they they you spent weeks of you know because you're only in that class what once a week or twice a week maybe, and you know you're sitting there with a T square and 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 drafting and drawing and you got your sharp pencil and you're making sure your 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 uh, dimension notations are all correct and. Um, they spent a lot of time teaching you the drafting aspect. And this is before there was really a mainstream CAD or even computers for the home users weren't that popular. Um, now I'm 48, by the way. I'm not like 150, but a lot's happened Lies. in the last. The wheel just came out, so that was a good. Oh, yeah, right, and electricity and all that. It was interesting. But, um, yeah, I remember that. And I remember, like, we were designing, like, our, it was a toolbox, I, I remember this back in sixth grade or whatever. And I, I remember being um, interested in like in, in wanting to see the whole process through. And so we'd go in and we'd draw and, and then come back the next week and continue drawing. And then the next week, drawing some more. And it's like you look over in the shop and you see all these cool tools, table saws and, and radio arm saws and all, you know, all these other things. It's like, when can I get over there and start using that? And then when the time finally came to take your, your drawing and actually go into the shop to make it, all these cool power tools were sitting there, but they hand you a, a handsaw and, you know, all of these different things. And it was like, you're just the time it took, you know, there, there was the power tools were, I think at the time were only meant for use for the teachers and you were, you had to do, and I just remember how draining that was that you mean to tell me to make a simple toolbox. It's a process that should take six months. And that's kind of what it was. And in today's age, it, it's everything is instant. You know, you order something from Amazon in the morning and they deliver it in the afternoon. They're not even the next day. Sometimes um, everything you want to watch a movie, you click a button, it's there. You don't, you don't have to, everything is instant. And so kids today, want to see something go from their thought or whatever into a real thing instantly. And, you know, even in the world of 3d printing, 3d printing allows you to take something that's pretty complex and get it, but it's not instant. It's, it's definitely not. That's uh, when I was in school, the 3d printing was just starting to get, you know, every shop was still just starting to get their 3d printers. Now you go anywhere, they have 10 3d printers, but 3D printing was just starting to become a thing, and it was the coolest thing. I mean, if the first, if you remember the first time you've ever seen a 3D printer print, it's like mind blowing. It's like, oh my god, it can do that. And now we look at them, and it's like, it takes how long to print that thing? Yeah. No, but it's um, it's it's right. I mean, you you still spend tons of time designing, and then you're waiting three days for your print, and that's one student. Yeah, that's that's the thing. One one print. 
with a 3D printer, yeah, depending on the size of the print and how complicated and big it is, it, yeah, you if you have a class with 20 kids, it, you could be talking a, a week worth of time before every kid's project is going to get done. Unless you have a budget and you have, you know, and 3D printers have come down significantly in price. But, you know, I guess if you had 10 printers in your class, then you could probably shorten that that span up. I remember when I got my first printer, um, the, I, I brought it home. I was working in the magazine at the time and I was doing a review on it. And I had this washing machine that was in the uh, condo that I was renting. It was old. And I wanted to get a new one, but I couldn't justify it because it was still working. And one day I went in and, and I opened it up and there's this like plastic, you know, you got the agitator that's on the washing machine mm-hmm. that goes, well, there's this cap on top that holds it down and it cracked and there's like a threaded insert, like a brass insert inside of it. And so the agitator would just keep floating off and it wouldn't do the laundry. So I'm looking at the 3d printer and I'm holding this part in my hand and I'm like, man, there's gotta be a way for me to make a new one of these things. So I spent some time, I think at that time I was using SketchUp. So that was what I was drawing with. And I used a pair of calipers and I, you know, dimensioned it all up, made this part, um, was able to pull the brass insert out. I actually sawed the old part in half. And then I was able to put the brass insert into the new part. And it took like 12 hours to print this thing. But when I was done, I was able to put it back on the and my washing machine ran until I moved out of that place for probably another year and a half uh, because of that. So I, I was hooked. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And to me, back then that was instant gratification because I didn't have to order the part and and find it online and then wait for it to come in in order to fix it. So I was able to make something in a day that, you know, solved my problem. So I think that's a big part of what the education market is looking for now with CNC is how do you, you know, have, have your kids come into class and now uh, on the first class, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come up with a part and you're going to design it. And then you go through the CAD and you could see it. You could see it in 3D. You're not drawing on paper. You're, you know, you can kind of figure everything out. And then immediately on the next class, they could put a piece of material on the machine, you know, and hit go. And, and it's, you've got a working part. You can definitely shrink that time um, to keep the interest level up for people. And I think that's one big reason that CNC is, is, is so popular in education because you can go from an idea to a design to an actual thing pretty quickly. Even- My very first day at Stepcraft in the old building, um, you probably won't remember this, but we carved, you were trying to show me some basic stuff. You know, what is Stepcraft? What do we do? You know, it's a CNC machine. We know that, but we carved a, my name, just a simple pocket, my name, Greg into a nameplate. And I swear to God, I took that home and I was showing everybody. I'm like, look what I can do. Look what I can make. And it was the most, it's silly to think about it back now, but I I still have that in my, in my dresser, my first nameplate that I ever carved. It was out of MDF. It wasn't that great. And I think we used the wrong tool for it, but I'll, I'll always keep that with me because that was the coolest thing I think I had done up to that point. It was just so awesome that, and, and I think it took us less than, 45 minutes from Invetric to from start to finish to create that. Get on the machine, clamp everything, to, you know, the whole process. And to, to do that with a student, 
you know, to have them take something home and say, look what we created today. Like, look what we actually did. That was one of the most gratifying things. And I was so excited. I was showing everybody. Um, and that's one of the first things we did, too, when we when we had education. Um, before COVID, uh, before COVID hit, we were planning to do, you know, more educational stuff here. We had teachers come in all the time. We had teachers. We had a whole education center that we were trying to kind of get up and going and, and really do what we're kind of doing here. But in person, COVID kind of wiped everything out. Um, hopefully we're getting a little bit better now, but that was kind of the whole idea is we, we have an hour with these people, you know, what can we do? What can they draw? What can they physically carve and make and take home? Um, and just to do something simple like that, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, it's, it's addicting. You know, we take a lot of things for granted because we do this every day and we're around it every day, but it's, it's always humbling when we have a customer come in or, uh, I, I have a friend that wants to see what I do and they come in and they just happen to be watching, you know, something uh, I had a guy here the other day that was from the gun club when I was cutting the doors and he had never seen anything like that before. And it was, he's like, what are you doing? And I, I hit start and the five minutes later, the door panel's all done. I'm like, yeah, no, this has got to be painted. He's like, you're kidding me. He's like, I can't even drive to Lowe's that fast to pick up a cabinet and you just printed a door. And I'm like, we didn't print it, but yeah, essentially. Yeah, and you're like, you're oh, what is, this is a stupid little door. Yeah, and that, and that was it. I, I take, you take it for granted. But, you know, you start thinking about, um, you know, your, your kids especially because it's the first time they're seeing it. It's like, wow, this is amazing. And if you're listening to this and you're local, we would love – we used to have buses of kids come down on, on field trips to the old office yeah. and visit. And that was – I mean, kids, the, their minds are just so creative, and they think – and, and they're just to see the amazement on their face when, oh, you actually did – you just created that out of nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, 3D printing is, is similar, but it just takes a while. You know, you sit there and watch it. Yep. You know, whereas the CNC is – it's instant gratification. You know, we, we also have helped – I mean, so many teachers and educators and stuff come up with curriculums and, and, you know, what are good projects to learn with and how to set it up and what tooling they need. And, and we'll, we'll work hand in hand with any educator to make sure that they, they're not going into this blind. You know, we've had schools before where they buy a machine, they put it in, and then it sits there for a year or two because they just don't get around to using it or they didn't have a, a real plan, but they had to spend budget money or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I, I personally love working with, um, with educators to come up with plans for things like that. But, you know, STEM education is huge. Um, you know, there's, this is a good way to get your, your math and your science, everything all, you know, tied together. Um, you know, and you can really get into it too. If, you know, the design work is one thing, but then, you know, choosing the right end mill, choosing the right material, how to cut certain materials a certain way, you know, how not to cut acrylic and melt it, you know, um, feeds and speeds. There's so many things that you can learn, but once you get the hang of it, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike. It's, you struggle for a little while with training wheels, but then one day you just sit on your bike and all of a sudden you, you're riding around without training wheels. Our, our customers do the same thing. You know, I, I, I know you're, you get it more than I do these days, but, you know, I, I know that in the past I, I talked to somebody and they call and they're so frustrated for a week or two and they can't figure this out and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden something, the light bulb goes off and, now they're they're sending pictures of things they're making, and then I got to sit there and look at it and wonder how did they make that? What was the you know? And I got to reverse engineer what they did, 
and, and that's awesome. You know, and I, I think in education, that's, that's really like, if you're a teacher and you're listening to this or you're, you know, somebody that's a teacher, uh, looking into getting a CNC system for your class. Now, one of the beauties too, with our, our particular product is, you know, we have very small desktop machines all the way up to large, you know, four by eight machines. So you can have multiple machines in a class. You can, it doesn't have to take up a lot of room. It doesn't even have to be in a workshop environment. You know, we have enclosures, we have, you know, there's ways of putting these machines into a normal classroom and, and have it run as quiet and as dust free as you would expect running a 3d printer. Stepref so specifically is a desktop CNC system. And what, what we mean by that is that literally it fits on a desktop. Right. And what that does is, I mean, we, we have schools that have almost a machine for every student, a little, a personal machine, um, you know, maybe a couple, couple students, couple groups, stuff like that. Whereas, you know, this isn't one giant and we do have those, those big machines, but we have the smaller desktop machines where students can literally personally learn on that machine instead of doing a, a huge, you know, Haas machine. And I don't want to bring up any machines here, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, if you're teaching uh, metal machining, you're not going to have a, uh, you know, a sixty, seventy thousand dollar machine. The for common each theme with that is that I mean, teachers are afraid of those machines. You know, they're afraid of the, the the big machines because nobody really knows how to run them. You know, whereas these desktop machines, yes, they're still safety. You have to be careful of, but you can literally sit down with a machine and and work with it yourself or with a group of students. And yeah, and if you do make a mistake, the cost of failure it, is minimal compared it's not to catastrophic. A big, yeah, I mean, you 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 know, um, remember when Daniel, my son, he was going to Aerospace and Engineering Academy, and they had a Haas VF two in their in their shop, and he was one of the only students that was allowed to use it because he had had previous CNC experience running our machines. Even the teachers were scared. To yeah, and he only had one teacher that was semi comfortable using it, and I I remember going to school and you look at the machine, it was it was beautiful, but you crash that machine and, and you blow out a spindle, you know, you're talking five, $10,000 worth of repairs. Um, worst case on a desktop CNC, you're going to break a bit, uh, maybe ruin a clamp or something, but you're not going to destroy the machine because it's not running fast enough. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not this huge hunk of iron that you're using that you're going to cause all kinds of problems. So when you take that level of uh, fear out, and, you know, you, it kind of opens you up to learning faster and it, it lets teachers um, give students a little bit more leniency on running the machine and, and not have to be as, as afraid that, oh, this thing's going to go down and then I'm, I'm going to be out for months and it's going to be thousands of dollars in repairs. So that's, yeah, that's a really good thing. The other thing too is the, the depending on what you're teaching, like for instance, a CNC is not just for a wood shop. Like that's one application. It could be for a wood shop. Um, if like we have technical schools here in Connecticut and one of the technical schools has a CAD, CAD cam or drafting, they used to call it drafting. I don't, I don't know if they still call it that. They might call it CAD department, but they'd have a machine in there because now the, the point of that class is to teach people how to draw and design. And it's kind of like a pre-engineering class, but to be able to produce something that they draw, but you've got to get people used to 
X, Y, Z and zeroing and, and programming tool paths and all that. And that can be done there. Any, anything you're going to run on a three axis, uh, VMC machine, you can program and run on, on a small desktop machine. Now, maybe if you're running a project, that's going to be, um, you know, steel or stainless steel or ink canal, something real, real hard. You're not going to run that on a desktop, but the program and the, the, whatever the object is could still be run on a desktop, just use different material. So if you want to just teach kids how to program a job and how to set it up, you can do that on a desktop machine. And, you know, so if you're not going to... more importantly, see it cut. Yeah, you can Watch see it, it cut, make, cut. Sure, make sure everything is, is, is working uh, properly before you put it on the big expensive VMC with the heavy, you know, unforgiving materials. A lot of guys will use machinist wax or foam or things like that on a, on a small desktop CNC to prove out a concept. Will something work? So before you start putting expensive materials in, um, go ahead and run it with, um, uh, you know, foam or whatever, and you still have an object that's exactly the same size. So if you want to test a fit or something like that, you can. So there's it's it's not just the wood shop that the CNC is good for, at least in, in our company, because of what we offer and, and the, the depth and breadth of our product line. Um, we, we appeal to, um, well, the, uh, the gentleman was here this morning from one of the local tech schools, his class is what do they teach? Um, CAD. It, that's the CAD, CAD class. Yep. Right? He, he's the CAD, but their machine shop also has a another step graph. Correct. They have, I think, four machines at this point. Yeah. So that's, you know, and and it, that's that's a good example. It's not just that you know that one class. Like in my my son's school, they had one of our machines. They finally bought one of our machines uh, for their engineering class because, and they were using it as a precursor to getting people onto the Haas machine. So. Um, yeah, it worked out, worked out really well. And, you know, I think we see a lot of that and that's a, a really good, um, good way to look at getting a desktop machine into the education environment. Our hopes, at least my hopes is to break that stigmatism of, you know, the CNC, because we've talked about this before. What you, when you think CNC, what do you think? You think of like a, an, an older guy in a shop working with metal. You know, that's what generally people who don't understand what CNC is, and it's not. It is so much more than that. And if we can break that stigmatism, especially with education, um, the possibilities are endless. I got, um, I'm teaching two classes up at the local college next end of May and middle of June. Oh, professor. Yeah, they, they, uh, we just kind of agreed on it. It's, um, there's two night classes that I'll, I'll be teaching, and one of them is, um, kind of the premise they're still working on the final name for it, but it's the premise is taking an idea and, and turning it into something. So it'll be a kind of a rough uh, training class on using Vetric and how to design and using the 3d preview to, for people to be able to see it on, on their, on their, um, on their computers. But the other class will be more business related. So how to, how to use that machine to start a business, how to, um, how to program something and then turn around and sell it, which really came from, to be honest with you, the whole concept came from, they listened to our, our first episode together here. Was this is a little warm up for your, your teaching ep episode 16. We did where we first sat down and we, we decided we were going to do the think and make a challenge. Um, the director of the college heard that podcast episode and then reached out to me and said, 
that concept you guys have with, you know, coming up with an idea and then making it into a product. Can you put that into something that you could teach in a class? And so, um, and the funny thing is you may be one of the most popular classes there. Cause when, when I go to local schools just to tune up a machine or something, work on something, the kids, uh, you know, the whole classroom is gathered around the machine. They're always in front of the machine. And I see other, you know, other things that are collecting dust in the corner and it's always the most popular thing in there. I've, I've did, uh, well, years ago I was doing classes in our shop for, um, an education facility where they would bring it. It's like an adult education where they would bring them in and, and, uh, we'd have groups of like five or six people and they would come in once a week for a training class. And it was interesting out of a group of six people that would come in, three people would end up buying a machine by the time the class course was over. So, and there was no intent there to sell a machine. No, it was never, I was, was, I was, I was simply doing it because, um, I, it was mostly for market research. It was just to, how do we, what kind of pe- what kind of questions are people going to be asking in person when they're here, and how can we build videos and do all the education things we need to to support people who can't come to our facility that are all over the country with the same questions. So that's kind of why I did that. This class at the college is going to be, I'm I'm guessing it's going to further enhance things that we're going to talk about in this podcast and things that we're going to do within the company and education that we're going to put together. Uh, Things will come up during that class that I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, that's something we need to do a video on, or that's something we need to build a course around or something. So I'm, I'm excited to do that. You know, it's, it's, it'll be nice. Uh, I've had other opportunities that were supposed to happen over the last two years, but COVID squashed all of that. So uh, now that, uh, mandates are kind of dwindling here in Connecticut. Um, things are, you know, coming back to normal and they want us to go back to doing that. And I think it'd be great. Bobby, I know you can probably attest to this as well. I get asked two, three times a day, you know, do we do education? Do we do classes? And obviously we, we try to do as much online education as possible. Um, but that physical aspect, you know, people are willing to, somebody from California the other day said, you know, could I fly in for a, a class for a training? on down absolutely that would be awesome yeah yeah so i'm uh yeah it's nice to see that things are getting semi back to normal around here but um yeah so if you're an educator definitely uh take a look into getting if you don't have a cnc machine not a 3d printer this is separate a cnc router a desktop router if you don't have one in your facility or close by or something that your kids have access to and you want to really um engage students and and peak interest quickly then i strongly suggest uh looking into getting a machine in in your education facility because yeah i mean you know it's weird after all this time when i run a new job or something or i'm doing a test for a customer or something like that i still find myself staring at the machine kind of like wow that's really cool you know and a lot of times now it's like if it has a tool change that's coming in, or if you need two or three tools merged together to create a specific profile or something to see that kind of go from a piece of wood to uh, a finished thing is still mesmerizing. It's still mesmerizing. I catch Bobby every once in a while over my shoulder, staring at it. Yeah, we did it the other day. <laughs> to me, it's a, it's a stupid part that I've done a thousand times, but Bobby's like, that is so cool. <laughs> and, and that's what, yeah, a lot of people see that. And yeah, so I'm, I, I like that. I still, um, take a lot of joy in watching the the machine do its thing. And 
you know. I mean, that's why we're doing this, right? That's the, the engagement is so worth it to see somebody's eyes light up when they first see something carve their name or it's, it's the best part of this job. You're yeah. always learning something that, I mean, when you said it's engaging, I mean, that's the best way to set it, especially on an educational, you know, it's not your traditional PowerPoint and whiteboard, Eric stays chalk and a blackboard, but uh, stone tablet <laughs> and a hammer. But it really is engaging, you know, even for adults that come to take a look at our facility, they walk in through our front entrance and they're just staring at all the projects we have posted. And they're like, you did that on which machine? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's how eye popping this can really be. It's engaging. You're always going to learn something. So it's really once you're in, you're hooked. That's it. Yeah. Then the skills that come after that are, you know, your your CAD work, your CAM work, the tool pathing work are just invaluable skills. And that... At first, that can seem really daunting. It can seem really challenging. But when you see what you can do with it, it almost becomes fun. Exactly. Well, you got to get through that two-week frustration period. And there is. That's that's the biggest challenge in this industry, I think, is that initial frustration, is that there's so much you can do and so much that it takes to do it that it's overwhelming at first. But if you if you break it down step by step, um, you know, if you talk to our customers and and talk to us, we've been there. We've we've been frustrated and we've we've put things off and we've said I can't do this. Yeah. But the the engagement you get and the enjoyment after you pick it up, um, I can't tell you how many and from a support standpoint, customers that I've talked to that have said that have called me and just said I I don't want to this is crazy. I can't do this. Um, you know, we've gotten through some basic things and they call me back three weeks later and they're buying another machine and they're starting a whole nother business because they, their, their creations just took off. And, you know, they, if you can get through that and that's what we're here for, you know, more from a support standpoint, um, we're here to help you get through that initial frustration and, and see what you can do with it. Cause it's, it's unbelievable. And your, your list will grow. Your list will become absolutely out of control of the things that, that people want to see and want you to do. I know my list, personal list, is just blowing out the door right now. Yeah, it's just. I know, it's especially for you as well. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, we're we're coming up on uh, summer, and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to shorten my list. So, like, but Eric can't say no. So if if anybody needs something done, yeah, just call me. Call and Eric. Just ask. He won't, he won't uh, yeah, I always say yes. That's 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 unfortunate, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's not uncommon for me to get a phone call from you know a friend. Hey, I need a bookcase, and I I don't think they completely understand exactly what's involved, you know. And yes, to me it is relatively easy. I because could probably, you make it look easy. I could design and and machine a bookcase in an afternoon. That's not a problem. But I think that you know some people just look at it like, oh, you just hit a button on your machine and it spits out a, a full bookcase all done and finished and everything and. Uh, I, uh, yeah, it's not the case. You know, what was it? Uh, Mike from Veterans Woodco. Remember when he did that video on, on YouTube where he, it was like a spoof thing where he put the paint, <laughs> he put the paintbrush on where the spindle goes and then, and then he cut away and it was like Van Gogh was, yeah, the Van Gogh. And all of a sudden he, he, it's, it's like smearing paint on a job and then he cut away and then he's taking this really professionally painted thing off the machine. If we can only have that someday, that would be, uh, that would be pretty incredible. I know that would make me happy, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it was a good talk. I think, you know, it's, there's, a, like I said, we, we're going to go back and forth. There's always things that come up week to week that we feel are worth discussing. And because we had gotten so many calls from education facilities over the last week and a half or so, we just wanted to, uh, to talk about that a little bit. And, um, uh, 
Didn't you have a tip of the week before I forget about it? Yes, thank you. So I've worked with a, a few customers this week who I noticed were, um, for instance, they were doing some circular cutouts. Um, they were clicking the inside and the outside diameters and doing two separate tool paths for, for each of those cutouts. Like, for instance, if you're cutting the letter O. Yep. If you're cutting the letter O, you would do an inside for the inside of the O and an outside for the outside. Um, and I, I realized, you know, you, you do not need to do this. Vetric in version 9, I think it's been around. Yeah, it's been a while for a while. I don't know the exact version, but they where you basically just select all... Yep, you the select a vector, you do a profile cut, and Vetric will automatically, it's its kind of like magic, it will detect the inside and the outside cuts and cut it for you in one tool path. Right. So you don't have to do separate tool paths. Um, and that, you know, if you're doing sheet goods, material like that, it can get a little daunting selecting all the inside cuts, um, and you don't have to. So that's my tech tip for this week, is if you are doing goods like that, a Vetric profile tool path will automatically detect the inside and outside cuts on, on letters like an O. Right. So if you have something that has an inside and outside, select it all. Make I think you have to make sure you select the outside uh, yes. outside the line, and then it'll automatically it will detect the detect. inside the line. Yep. And that's you know for some of you that may be second nature. You may have not even realized you didn't need to do that. But realizing the few people that were still selecting each inside and making two separate tool paths, it could be a, a time saver. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good tip. All right. Well, that's it, I guess, for this week. Uh, we've um, we've covered a lot of stuff here, and hopefully next week uh, we're all trying to commit to getting back on the uh, Think and Make It Challenge, and at, at the very least, we should have stuff drawn up in Vetric that we can uh, share videos and photos and things like that. So I am looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to some nice weather this weekend, hopefully, too, here. Finally. But um, so... I, I wish you all well, and uh, thank you again for listening, and we will see you or uh, be here to, for you to listen to us next week. Until next week. Thanks for joining. Thank you for listening to the Think It, Make It podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more great CNC router content.